success I have in life is like, fucking doesn't really mean anything, right? The biggest problem I see in particular with men, successful men in particular, is ego. At the end of the day, but why I'm doing this? Because I love my work, because I want to achieve that thing. Welcome to another episode of The Shredder Show. Today, we're going to go through natural bodybuilding, how to optimize travel uh, for busy executives, and just general overall life hacks with Matteo Chaudoni. We were joking about how I had to pronounce his name before this. Great, great to be here. Thank you, Charlie, for the, the possibility to speak with you. How was the pronunciation? That, that was great. We practiced for a while. Times. Yeah, four or five times. You know, Johnson is easy. It's, yeah. it's too easy for me. Uh, English names are easy to p- pronounce. Italian, not so much. So for reference, where are you from, Matteo? I, I'm Italian. And uh, like, it, it's easy to pronounce Johnson for <laughs> someone that is speaking English, at least. And in Italy, we, we don't usually speak a lot of English, but Italian is great nationality and a lot of great entrepreneurs coming from from Italy in every field and right now even the the fitness field is is working great I'm certain and Matteo is one of the leading trainers in Italy and um, he also similar to myself has a very interesting lifestyle travels a lot very well traveled so the first thing we wanted to delve into is uh, hacks in terms of optimizing travel so you don't fall apart because actually one of the interesting things that I've noticed I'm like 10 years older than you is that um <coughs> Almost, I think I get like travel anxiety for a start, but also my body doesn't really like, seem to like traveling so much anymore. Um, how, what do you do to try and manage and mitigate this? Well, uh, the, the, the thing I, I truly believe is that the, the first thing that you should analyze in your life is the stress. Because people usually try to eliminate stress in their life, avoid stress. But the truth is that stress is something that is physical physiological thing to have in your life so what you need to learn is how to handle stress that's completely different perspective once you understand that you understand that the the way you travel needs to be a way that doesn't increase your stress levels too much and in order to do that you need to plan your travel your business travel for example in order to have the possibility to track your food if it if it matters to you uh, to train if it matters to you, uh, to, to keep some healthy habits during your business trip in the easiest way. Simple thing would be so easy if you would book a hotel, five-star hotel that doesn't have the best pool or spa, but rather has a good gym close there or inside the hotel. And the same for, for the breakfast. If you just have like uh, a huge Buffet breakfast is very easy to tra- to track your food for the rest of the day. Um, to have some easy habits during the day, like to have a simple healthy snack, I don't know, some nuts, not to be f- sleepy during the whole day, uh, to understand that that's a business travel and a business trip, and you don't need necessarily to follow the, the others drinking or eating whatever during, during the day. So the way you should, I think, see the, 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 the trips is something changing in your life and in order to keep on track to your goals you need to make some adjustments you said that something changed in the last 10 years so the question i i have for you is what changed and what you felt that changed in the last 10 years that's a really good question firstly i seem to have issues whenever i go to the airport so i think i always have anxiety about check-in so as soon as i'm checked in i feel better because i think i've had issues with like i don't know i'll give an example i set up a i booked a flight with qatar and they put my name on wrong and it wouldn't let me change it. And then I had to rebuy another flight and like those other stuff. I always seem to have problems 
at the airport. So I almost have like some stress. It's Johnson's surname. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just too it's harder. Yeah. And then um, I would say that's one. The other thing I notice, I tend to get a lot of digestive issues, mm-hmm. which I now have the biggest way I found to combat that probably about two years ago is ideally I will try and fast for flights and fast when traveling. The only problem is I now have, I travel to the US a lot. Dubai to the US is a very long way and it's too far to fast often in one go. Um, yeah, I can do it, but um, I start to almost like feel like I'm gonna pass out. So um, if I'm going from like Dubai to London is perfect or to Europe, easy. Or Dubai to Spain, Marbella is great. Um, but longer trips I start to eat. So for me, it's really just understanding trying to minimize food intake whilst traveling, hydrating a lot. And one of the big hacks I found is um, taking a lot of electrolytes, like a really high amount, because I'm used to taking a lot of fluid and electrolytes in with Dubai in the heat. Sure. Um, and then if I keep that balanced out, it makes a big difference. Yeah, it's true because with their Acon and new technologies they provide to, to keep fresh in the in the air, it, it, you, you get dehydrated during, during the time. So it's very, you don't feel it because you're not sweating, but you're losing a lot of water in any case and you need to keep hydrated. And it's interesting also the thing that you said that you try not to eat during, during travelings. And it's the same thing I do actually. And what the majority of people then at the end ask you is like, but well, if I don't heat, I don't have the energy. And they don't understand like the body's almost perfect machine if you treat it properly and your body is, is done to to keep energy to keep uh, carbs to keep everything to in order to survive and is even better sometimes not to eat it it is is healthy fasting window in order for hormones and and things i actually think um one of the best things you can do is go prolonged periods without eating to give your gut time to like clear through um So for me, I'm inherently quite greedy with food. So if I'm at home, I'm not going to not eat for 12 or 18 hours. I, I could, I can go to like two, three o'clock and just be busy with work or whatever, but I wouldn't not eat the entire day and fast. I don't think I've ever done that. But when traveling, it's quite easy because I'm busy and I'm like, I don't want to eat the plain food. I don't want to eat what's at the airport. So it's fine. And I think see it as an opportunity to try and give your body a bit of a reset. Yeah, sure. Because um, I almost find if I do a particularly long fast when traveling and drink loads of fluid, I have black coffee as well. Um, my digestion the next day is fucking amazing. Like you feel great. You get you get some time to rest mm. and to regenerate during during the time. I mean, like you, you're a pro bodybuilder, right? Mm. So for for your announced pro bodybuilder, it means that your body is like more than a ordinary body. Mm. You, you're asking a lot from your body. So even the the digestion. How, how many calories did you arrive to eat during your bodybuilding prep during bulking uh, season? I remember you competed. I last was year. up to. Uh, f- I don't. I'm quite fortunate. I don't have to eat a lot. So it's like five thousand calories. I went down to about two thousand two hundred. I think at one point eighteen hundred, which was not fun. Um, but I would say the big thing for me was I have to. I was having to eat quite frequently because I was just hungry all the time. Um, and I think when you understand how to manage your hunger levels with like hydration is a big one because one of the big issues is people, um, your body miss signals like dehydration for hunger and people end up eating when they actually need to drink, which is why one of the first things I recommend everyone does when they get up is like drink something with electrolytes in it just to replenish that overnight. Um, And I'd also say not eating within the first two hours of waking up makes a big difference. 100% is, is a habit that I keep right now in Dubai. Usually wake up, just drink water, then work a little bit, then drink coffee, then work a little bit, then take a walk, 
work a little bit and then I have my first meal during during the day and it's funny the thing that you said about dehydration because the 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 most frequent thing that I receive the, the question that I receive from my clients is what do I do when in the evening I come at the end of the day that I'm starving and I want to eat even after dinner if I already had food and I say like do you feel that in your in your your mouth yeah that that's not hunger you just completely dehydrated during the day, you just drank 1.5 liter of water during the day, just try to drink and trust me, the hunger is gonna disappear because just your body asking for, for some water intake to survive. Um, that's one of my favorite things to talk about. So I explain it to people as the danger zone. So it's like, no one screw, fucks up their diet at like 7 a.m., right? You're not gonna be eating crap in the fridge at that time. But like 6 to 10 p.m. is where people screw up everything. So they can be perfect from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. and they undo the entire thing. And I think when people just learn to control that, it makes a big difference. And I'll give you a bit, I don't think I've ever spoken about this before. Um, when I was competing last year, I was really struggling with like hunger cravings. I would literally like, I printed like 30 pages of like 30 days to the show, 29 days to the show. And I just keep changing in the fridge. So every time I found myself like going to the fridge, like lurking around, I look and I think, oh, for fuck's sake, just like it's only 29 days. <laughs> and I think that's uh, an important thing to do in like controlling your environment. Another thing for me is that I can't have um, dark chocolate in my fridge because if I have it in there every time I open the fridge I end up like eating some and I'll be like 100 gram bars done in like two days and I'm like, well that's like 600 calories just whoosh. yeah that, that's 100% sure like the things that you keep at home are are not helping you under, under a certain point of view it doesn't mean that the solution to things is not to have let's say junk food home because what people do is yeah I don't have junk food home Four oh, days a week, five days a week. But when I see junk food, I can eat it. That's that's not the way you you handle your problems. Just you, you do more reps. Not having the, the the junk food home, not eating that junk food every day. You're like try to detox yourself. But yeah, the, the problem is is not only that the window you say five p.m., ten p.m., six p.m., ten p.m. is also the the Friday, Saturday evening. How do you what do you recommend to your clients in um, order to so Keep this is a really, really good thing to talk about. So um, what we tend to do is we're very strict in the week and then Saturday night we have what we call as like a free meal. So you can have whatever you want, but within reason. So like you go for a three course meal, um, you can have starter, main dessert, but try and eat like vaguely sensibly, right? So it's not gonna be like, I'm not gonna go to the Cheesecake Factory and have the quesadillas, the, um, what is it like the like one of the big dishes that has like two th uh, chicken and biscuits like it's like yeah, two thousand twenty calories that, and then have a cheesecake if I, like if I was to do that that's five thousand calories and go right that's your whole deficit for the week gone but if I said to you you could go to you could go there and you could have like the Thai chicken satay thing um, you could have a fillet steak and then you could share a cheesecake with your partner it's probably what two thousand calories maybe eighteen hundred completely different conversation yet you still enjoy the experience 100% you know you need to know one thing Italian pizza is completely different from American or UK pizza and under the point of calories it is even better because you don't have the plenty of cheese or fried things or french fries or pineapple that's something that not possible to be seen I even remember one story that you published some days yeah. ago about pineapple on the on the pizza so under this point of view, if you keep the, the plain food, you made the example of Cheesecake Factory. A lot of Italians don't know what is Cheesecake Factory because there are, there are not, I think, even in, in Cheesecake Factory. No. Yeah. So, um, 
yeah, if, if you like do all this uh, food porn, that is uh, like, I, I feel like it's a vibe of the last three, four, five years. That's a vibe that's not actually helping no. at all the, the, the people that want to keep a good diet, healthy habits, because it's like extreme of, uh, of, of food intake. And it's simply something that body's not used for, right? Uh, I tell you also something that's weird. I don't know if you've seen this. Like my partner does this sometimes. She'll watch people doing like food challenges, like whilst doing cardio. I'm like, what? Like, why would you want to watch people eating loads of food? Or like, people like doing stuff like that. For me, like, I, I don't want to see like junk food on my Instagram Explore feed or wherever. Um, and I think again, that comes to, like controlling the information that comes into your brain because you're almost like signaling to your body that you want that all the time. The main the main YouTubers in Italy are doing fitness challenges right now. The highest views that you see on YouTube channels right now are fitness challenges. Uh, eating ones. Eating ones, yeah, sorry, sorry, eating challenges. Like they try to eat as much as they can and uh, like 10,000 calories challenge, 20,000 calories challenge, 50,000 calories challenge. And it is so weird that because in Italy we have so much the culture of the food, of the tasty food, yeah. it ends up by overeating and based basing your whole life based on food. A lot of people have eating disorders, not because they were born like this, but because as you say, they don't control the informations that they receive. They get used to something that the body's not done for. And I think uh, that's one of the important things to control with your environment. And it's actually, when you look at traveling as well with uh, like as an executive, one of the things to understand is that if you look at, um, one of the things that people struggle with is jet lag and going across different time zones. Your body only knows what time of day it is based upon two things. One is um, whether it's the sun's in the sky or not, and two is eating. So like one of the secrets of like having less of an issue with jet lag is eat to the time zone you're going to and try and get into that routine as quickly as possible. So like don't be eating in the equivalent of like their three, four a.m. in the morning because it's gonna completely screw everything up. Have you recommended some, some executives or entrepreneurs I'm working with try to stay awakened and adapt as soon as 100%. possible to the time zone where you're currently going to? Like if in that place right now is is daytime and in your time zone is is late night, don't worry, just try to be awakened and try to resist as much as you can in order to get adapted to the time zone you're arriving to because that's the best thing that you can do to avoid the jet lag problems. And the fact that they don't get used to jet lag problems is also because they take, for example, naps mm. during the day. You feel so destroyed after a long business trip. And the problem is that your metabolism and your hormones during the day are even adapting to, to your uh, like uh, circadian rhythm, right? Mm. So it's very important to to control it in a way in a way that is easy for your body to to stay on track. And I'd actually say I think I quite like going from east to west, so say from Europe or Dubai to the US, because you get there, you just stay up late, you'll invariably wake up the next day at like four or five a.m. But I quite like that because you feel like really productive, right? It's when you come back that's destroyed. Like that's I, I remember- uh, <laughs> You lose a lot of oh, time, bro, right? Like <laughs> I remember coming back from- uh, Vegas was, right? Yeah, Vegas. But I remember coming back from Miami to, actually no, yeah, Vegas is a better example. I remember coming back from Vegas to Dubai. It's like a 12 hour time difference. And literally, I think I got in at like 2 a.m. I think I woke up the next day at like like 12, like midday. I was like, what the fuck? Like, it's, it's wild. And um, 
it takes you a while to get out of that rhythm, but I would say you can get back, you just need to get back into a routine very quickly, which is to come firstly to your food and what time you try and go to sleep. I'm trying, like, I'm curious to see your feedback that you're a pro bodybuilder. What do you think? And also majority of your clients is training in the gym. What do you think during business trips is something good or not to keep consistent, even if you have just 30, 20 minutes a day, cardio, completely body weight training in order to move your body even during this, this trips or is not that useful because a lot of clients say like, well, I feel like without training in the gym, I cannot gain good results, but I feel, and my experience is based on the fact that the most important thing is the consistency. So if you even keep moving your body is. Yeah, is I, I, I um, agree hundred percent. So I say 95% of people listening to this, their main issue is going to be body fat levels, right? So like hundred percent. Um, I wouldn't, I'll use myself as an example. I might be going to Istanbul next weekend for four days. I, I've got an event on the Saturday and the Sunday. I won't be able to train. I don't like training on days and I'm flying because it just messes me up. And I'd rather be like actually can train properly. So in that instance, I would probably just do some cardiovascular work just for like get your body moving around. And I would give the same advice to executives as well because one of the big things that happens is like people, and I've done this. I remember it's just really fucking stupid. I remember being younger getting off a flight from Spain, Marbella, and like three hours later going to the gym because I've got a train. It's like Chester on Monday or whatever it was. And the reality is that like, yeah, it's like cool that you can go and do that and you're disciplined, but there's an element of like working smart versus working hard. And you have to understand it's not a game of who can train the hardest, who can recover the most. Because if your body's like run down big time and you're just running into the ground even more, you're going to struggle even more to lose weight and your body's going to be super catabolic in terms of losing muscle tissue. So 100%. Um, it's actually important sometimes, like I actually think I get better results training less. So like, I'd actually say from experience, the more relaxed I am with like, oh fuck it, it's like it's four days, I can't weight train, I'll just do some cardio, do some steps, be mindful of what I'm eating. I end up actually losing more body fat probably doing that. I think the goal should be not to have the highest volume as possible, but the highest results with the less effort, right? Not work hard, work yeah. smart, work, work smart. Um, the minimal effective dose, right? And exactly. that's what comes with the ability of like learning the skill to train because as you get better at training, you have to do a lot less. So like I do a lot less now than I used to. I'm only training four days a week, um, but my ability to like get more out of what I'm doing is much higher and I'm also stronger. Um, and you'll find the more you progress, the less you need to do anyway because the amount of volume of like, if you look at like the amount of kilos of weight you're using or pounds is increasing. So you don't need as many sets, which means like for any executive listening to this, you can build a killer physique in two to three workouts a week. Like That's hundred percent sure. And that workout doesn't need to be two, three hours. It can be 40 minutes. 45 minutes. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. That's how I'm training right now. I mean, last time we trained legs and, and killed me, but like we, we took one hour and a half because we were speaking about everything Talking else. Yeah. But if we would be completely 100% focused on, on that, it would be less than an yeah. hour, I guess. Yeah, if, if I train on my own, it takes me maybe 50 minutes. Um, if I train with someone else, it's longer because you're obviously going to talk. But I actually quite like that because um, it slows me down. And the longer the rest I get between sets, I get way more out of it in terms of from a strength output point of view. But I'm inherently really patient, so I'm not going to like sit around for two, three minutes and wait. Like if I feel good, I'll just go. Really, what, what you said before, work smart i always say to executives i say like guys do the things that you usually can do moving your body 
actually doing it instead rather than sitting on the, on the chair like you're sending messages you're having a phone call you're just thinking just move your body in that moment take a walk literally you're on a call for one hour in that hour you could do the ten thousand steps for the old day and be okay for the rest of your day so there is actually no reason i mean if it's the closer the, the closer call of your entire career maybe you should do this on, on the chair but rather than walking in the park but the other calls you could simply do on on moving your body and i think um this is what's interesting i don't know why it made me think of this like when I was younger, like 15, I remember running with a CD player. You, you wouldn't have had one of those. Like an actual CD player that was like too big to fit in my pocket. And now we have the ability to like walk around with a device that's like a supercomputer that can do anything. It's actually really easy to be in shape because you can keep yourself occupied at the same time, right? Super easy and, and it's, it seems to be very stupid advice. But to me and my client's experience was really valuable the average TV show they usually watch when you chill out, just take a cyclad and begin to move your body while watching the TV show very slowly, very easy. If you didn't move your body during the whole day, it costs 300 euros is nothing for someone earning millions a year, but actually can increase the lifetime value you have of your own life a lot. And it's... Um the compound effect of the small decisions and what will determine the outcome of your life. How long you live, how you look, how people look at you, like, and that's all down to your own conscious choice and the actions you decide to take or not take. And I think what's really important is that a lot of people don't understand that not making a decision is actually making a decision. So like, oh, not, not to move is a decision, a decision yeah, yeah. not to move, right? Uh, and um, you're shooting yourself in the foot with your own indecisiveness. What, what, I have a question for you based on your experience. What do you think after, how many years of coaching, mate? Uh, I qualified as personal training like 16 years ago, but 16 years. I, online maybe like seven or eight. But even person 16 years ago, yeah. right? So in 16 years of experience, did you find an answer to the question, how it's possible that this person is fucking making millions a year, is, has a great family, he managed to create a life that 99% of people in the world are fucking not able to create, but he still cannot stay in shape, lose that belly fat, and have a healthy relationship with food and trainings. Do, do you have an answer to this question? Um, or what? I know what the problem is, and you, you hit the nail on the head with it because you, you touched on it. Emotional issues with food. So these are deep lying issues within that people are reaching out to food as like dopamine hits or like a drug of like I've had a shit day I need to drink a bottle of wine I've had a shit day I need to eat some chocolate and I think that's where those people need people like me and you more than ever because we can be blooper like brutally honest with them to set them straight because one of the big things people need in particular for the successful is when they get momentum and they see progress like oh shit like my entire life changed when I got in like really good shape when I was about 25 and I got someone to coach me and I was like, okay, so all I have to do is just do what they tell me to do and I get a really good result. It was like, this is really easy. It's like, what else can I apply this to, right? Um, and I think when you start to connect the dots like that and the guy who's got loads of money and got the perfect life other than his health suddenly realizes that he has to take extreme ownership of that situation and then the only way to actually get out of that is to reach out to someone for help and accountability. Once he does that and he starts and he sees the first bit of progress, that's like everything changes.
game changer game changer and really related to this I, i i truly i truly believe that the fact that people are not able to control their like food intake is is even related to the fact that the past generation of self-made entrepreneurs and successful managers and business people generally speaking have the perspective has the perspective that food is something like to to show the results of their hard work right now the new generation doesn't feel this way like the new generation is more like oh well yeah I, i'm i'm rich i need to invest in my health but before it was like yeah f- fuck i i did what my family in in the old generation didn't manage to do the way i release my attention and show off my success is actually for example buying luxury mm. food and going out to have dinner a very expensive dinner every every day i don't know if in the uk or us culture you you feel uh, the same vibe i think the the culture i see there is that people almost still have a world war 2 mentality and it sounds weird but in terms of like don't let food go to waste so for example like i'll give an example my girlfriend bought me some flowers the other day um not that I like flowers particularly but they're nice <laughs> and I used to just start my girlfriend what well, my girlfriend would be laughing right now because yeah. we, we spoke about the fact that I'm not really used to give flowers yeah. so she's like well I will begin to give to you in order <laughs> and uh, and with the flowers came like um this cake and it was a hermes cake it looked pretty cool and I was like I don't really want the fucking cake so I was like after like three days of a bit of nagging I was like I'll try a bit of the cake the cake wasn't very nice and I was like the old generation of people from like Europe US would be like you need to eat the fucking whole thing. I was like I don't want the cake. I didn't want it in the first place. He just came with it for free. So then we just threw it away. But um and yes that may well be wasteful but then what is A I didn't order it, B I don't want it. So why would you eat for the sake of it? And I think it's also an important thing to understand is that you don't have to finish everything on your plate. Like if you go to a restaurant or wherever and it's given to you, like just because it's there it doesn't mean you have to eat it and even don't get it for, like i mean you're a ceo you're a manager you're a lawyer you're trying to run your own life and you're afraid for example at the restaurant just to ask please just put the oil yeah. on the side or just don't cook with butter or simply do you have something that is not deep fried really or maybe you just don't want to maybe this is true reason i think um i don't know italy's the same so i'll give you an example uh you've been to Spain, have you been to Marbella? Yeah. Okay, so the Spanish are incredibly difficult. If you say to them like, I don't want this, I don't want this, they look at you like you've shot their dog, right? They'll be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Um, so they're very challenging in terms of like, if you try and change anything, where if you go to like the US, they're so accommodating or here as well, in terms of like, they'll do it exactly how you want. Like if you, not that you necessarily ask for a plain chicken breast, but if you ask for whatever, they would give it to you. Whereas if you go to some European country, they're like- Just go to French. Yeah, France. For France, yeah. Just go to Paris. They won't do it. Yeah, and ask something without butter. I think they're gonna literally kill you. Literally, it's something so, UK, yeah. UK, actually. Uh, UK's a bit better. Yeah? A bit better. Probably US influence. Yeah, that, that's super, that's super. Which is the ultimate advice that you would give to father that has decent family great family i would say a great career and the unique struggle that he has is to stay on track with his own health he always prioritizes the family the results of the career the business um, part and never himself okay so do you want to see your children get married uh, here's a good story so i remember sitting on a, a flight 
I can't remember where it was, maybe to Dubai. And I remember the guy sitting next to me, you start talking to each other. And he's like, uh, well, he told me what he did. He worked, his job was like building and selling super yachts. I was like, okay, you're interesting to talk to. So I'll talk to you. And then obviously talked about what I did. And he said, um, I really struggle in terms of fitness, going to the gym and eating healthy. What's one thing you could say to me that would change my perspective? And he'd already told me he had two daughters. Like, would you like to still be alive when your daughter gets married? And he's like, you fucker. Because that's the thing, right? Because what's the biggest pain point for anyone, particularly for a man, is going to be providing for your children and um, providing for your wife, right? And you also want to be the father your children look up to. Because I know I would want to be like the Superman that like my kids would look up to and be proud of. No one wants to be the fat dad in the car park who's at the sports game or whatever, right? You'd want your pads to be like, yeah, that's my dad. He's jacked. He does X, Y, Z. Like, that's cool. And you also have to understand if you're a father as well, who do your children mirror? You. So if you've got really bad habits and you're out of shape. 100% children are going to do that. 100%. I'll give an example. I remember, and it actually was like, used to fucking upset me and not upset me, but it was just really sad. Um, my wife's, pre, my ex-wife's um, family, there was a relative and their, the parents were overweight and like had a really bad lifestyle and their son ends up the same. So like man titties, especially like, like 14, 15. And you know, like the kid's fucked from the beginning and it's not his fault. It's just, he doesn't know any better. And that's what I say to people is like, your duty as a parent is to like, give your children the right advice and guidance. And if you don't know how to do that for yourself, how are you gonna do that for yet them? And that's not sales pitch for me and you, but it's like find someone to teach you and show you so then you can also pass that on to your children. But why then this busy executive that pays, I don't know, they pay, they're paying 3,000 euros for a flight to Dubai would pay for a bullshit app for 99 a month in order to get in shape. Like how it's possible that a person so smart is finding so, I would say, stupid solution to Because no one has explained to them the value yet of like, for example, I would say statistically we could add seven years to someone's life. What's that worth? Thousand dollars? So our program will be worth seven K. I'd pay a thousand dollars for an extra year of my life, like fucking way more. Um, and when you start to think in that perspective, it's just they don't understand yet really what the game is and how to solve the problem. They might be partially problem aware, but the problem is most people they stick their head in the sand and they're like Better not to know, better not to realize the problem. And that's why people don't get blood tested, they don't get tested for cancer, they don't have ECGs because people don't want to know. Whereas I'd rather be proactive, like I have blood work done on the time, I had ECGs, all that type of stuff to know. Like if there is a problem, I can try and catch it early and deal with early proactively rather than later on. Because imagine, I'll give another example, I had another family member who unfortunately passed away from breast cancer and she had been kicking the can down the road. She knew she had an issue for six or nine months, didn't say anything to anyone. And then by the time it was the state, she got like investigated, it was far too gone. And that is quite a harrowing story, but it's true for anyone here who's listening to that. And I remember going to hospice, which is where like people pass away in the UK, um, going to see her and I was like, that's never fucking happening to me. And I don't want that to happen to anyone else. That's, that's super, super good story. And I think that to, to resume what you said is just to see the reason why you should do this is going to give you the, the strength in order to do this. The reason why you keep working and even when it's hard day, it seems like the, the world is, is ending, you still 
continue to work and achieve results because you see at the end of the day, but why I'm doing this? Because I love my work, because I want to achieve that thing, because I want to show to myself something. And as you said, even in your fitness journey, the, the truth is that you need always to remember the true reason why you would do something like that, even if it's hard, even if it's not going to be easy path, that's going to give you the strength in order to do that and keep going. And that, that's at the end of the day. And if you're not able to, to stay on track just by yourself, just ask for help as for, for anything else that you would do. You don't know when it's going to be an appointment. You're just going to ask your secretary, right? You don't know how to run paid ads. You're yes. going to ask for how to run paid ads. You don't know how to uh, do marketing strategy. You're going to ask your marketer. The same thing, just you don't know how to take care of something that important as your health that is going to influence the time that you're going to stay in this world. Just ask for help. Something I'd also say I'd be very careful of as well is who you ask for help from. And the honest truth of this is we have a lot of doctors we work with who are on our program to lose weight. Now, that's where I say you going to your doctor isn't the right solution because a lot of them will try... The medical society is a Ponzi scheme of pushing drugs, hence why we now have weight loss drugs like Monjaro, which suppresses your appetite. And that's a plaster over the problem, right? So, um, and that's no dig at medical professionals. We have some amazing doctors who are clients, but the reality is that they aren't giving much training in terms of actual nutrition. And the difference between theory and practice is also very different, like we've spoken about already in this podcast. How do you actually apply the right, method to an individual psychology so they can stick to it and actually get the results because adherence is what achieves weight loss. I will give you an interesting insight. In Italy, if you're not a nutritionist, you cannot give nutritional tips. And it's funny to see that the same nutritionist that gave tips to people are overweight, obese. They die because of obesity. They, They develop diabetes. And then you say like, are you ever gonna give a million dollar to someone that never did, like in order to invest your million dollar, that someone that never invested a million dollar, never did a million dollar, and never had a million dollar to invest? I think no. Then why you should ever go to dietitian that is overweight, obese, has some issues. He's not able to control his own relationship with food. And this is interesting perspective, but in Italy, if you're not a nutritionist, you cannot give nutritional tips. That's why I needed, for example, to have some professionals nutritionists in my team, but at least are not professionals that share their same perspective of the client and say, before telling something to my clients, actually you need to know how to apply the same thing to my life. And uh, that's a theory versus application and practice of advice. And it's like, you don't want people who are just theorists, you want people who actually practice, right? And that's why I'm so transparent with everything in terms of people who need to practice what they preach because why should you listen to anyone then otherwise? 100% sure, 100% agree. And I just wanna have your feedback under this point of view. How do you think that enhanced bodybuilding has changed the perspective of people in order to what is achievable naturally or not? Because this is hot team in Italy right now. Every super good fitness influencer they're saying natural bodybuilder. I'm 100% natural. Yeah, they, they took 30 kg in one year, but they're 100% natural. And the young guys are saying like, well, fuck, I will achieve that body shape or the, the, the opposite problem. 
that you work your ass off for three, four years, you achieve amazing results, and people are like, you're bullshit teller. No one will ever achieve that body shape. The, um, my opinion is the easy giveaways, you look at people's body weight, because how many natural bodybuilders are over a certain, probably over 85 kilos in good shape? Probably not many. So if someone's plus that, it's gonna be questionable. And if someone's gained a lot of weight in a year, like naturally, I wouldn't say it's possible for someone to gain more than two kilos in a year. I'd say two that, kilos? I'd say that's like, that would be a fucking push. I think- Specifically after 35. Yeah, well, after 35, it's not gonna yeah. happen. Like When you're young, yeah, you can do like, five. Yeah, five, well, like, yeah, yeah, yeah like, four, out of the gate, if you're 18 and you start training, you put four or five kilos in a year. Yeah. You know? But like, if you're, 30 plus like your hormonal profile is going down anyway you're fighting a bit of a losing battle on that respect so i think anyone beyond that spectrum um it's not a good idea and i think for men who are over 30 30 or even younger i would always recommend people get their blood tested because you might have underlying issues you don't even know about so one of the things that's happening rapidly in the modern world at the moment is like rapidly deteriorating levels of testosterone in men a lot because of external environment uh, pollutions in water food like there's actually like the fluoride and stuff they put in water actually has issues um high stress levels we don't actually active enough we don't go out in sunlight particularly in like northern europe um sure. so a lot of people have underlying issues they don't understand here so you, that would be worth having checked and then if you have got an issue have a conversation with uh, a doctor in regards to maybe having that replaced if it is a real problem. I just have a last question for you, mate. You're, can, can we say that you're one of the first online coaching and most famous yeah. coaching coaches online, right? So for, for USA and Canadians for sure. Mm. So which perspective would you give to anyone listening to this conversation right now? Why do you think after knowing each other for a while, and training together and sharing some thoughts. Why do you think my coaching method can truly help someone to change their life? One, because you've done it yourself. Two, you taught other people to do it. And that for me is like everything. If highest level authority of anything is you've done the thing, you've helped other people do the other thing. Because you can do it, you can teach it. And then that's then just the other person actually being willing to be like, help me. And the biggest problem I see in particular with men, successful men in particular, is ego. I'm good. I've got fucking loads of money. I've got family. I've got a sick car. I've got a big house. It's like, but it's all a facade. And like, I even see that now, the more success I have in life is like, fucking doesn't really mean anything, right? It's like, buy a new car. Like, okay, it's cool. Like, not that bothered. But like, if you could add another 10 years to your life and you're with your family for another 10 years, when you're 70 years old, like, that's going to fucking mean a lot, right? You can see your grandkids like or you've already got health issues and you're like you could end up dying at 50 because of a heart attack like that's a big thing i think that's what people should understand how you can change their life how i can change their life because everyone wants to kick the can down the road until they can't kick the can down the road anymore and then they need to fucking address the problem the problem is then it's too late so you need to address the problem now before it gets too big but because you're able to understand the needs of your clients and, and truly understand their perspective. How do, how do you think it's important for a coach to understand the perspective of the client? Actually, how can a client understand if the coach is truly understanding their needs or is just applying science, scientific-based studies? Um, the most important thing I'd say from a coach, similar to sales, two ears, one mouth. 
So ask questions and shut up. Let them talk. What, Just what, listen and understand. What, what do they need? What do they want? And what you want to do, same as sales, is like you sell them what they want and give them what they need. So like you wrap up things in like a, a disguise almost. Because if you told someone... Um, and, and I think the most important thing is understanding human psychology, right? So like when it comes to weight loss and getting shape, quick wins are the most important thing. And I would, I personally, we will over diet people a little bit at the beginning to get quick weight loss. People are like, fucking shit, this is working. Because then they believe and then it works. And then you can take the calories back up a bit. But if you go by like, well, we don't want to take the calories under a certain amount because of X, Y calculation. And then they don't lose weight in the first week. They give up. They're out. They're done. They're like, this doesn't fucking work. I don't want to change my life. I don't want this anymore. Whereas if they're like, holy shit, I've lost two kilos this week. Like they're in. And that's where you have to understand human psychology versus like textbook theory. It's like, yeah, textbook theory is hypothetically optimal, but we're not dealing with robots. We're dealing with emotional creatures, which human beings are. People sell to people and, yeah. and people buy from people and mm. people ask for help from people. Mm. So that that's at the end, the, the true and most important thing. Yeah, and I think... Um, From a coaching perspective, the most important thing is understanding what makes most people tick. And I'd also say, what I'm about to bring up now is really important. Your coach should have a coach. I have a coach. I know you have a coach because you told me the other day. Yeah, sure. 100%. Um, and your coach should understand how to manage different people based upon their psychology. So like the guy who coaches me is, is amazing. And he had a check-in process that was like 45 minutes. I told him, I was like, this is stressing me the fuck out. Um, I didn't tell that, but he could, he just just knew because I wasn't filling a lot of it in because it was like, I don't want to put down what time I went for a shit. I don't really care. Um, and I, I've got more, more than enough other stuff to think about. Um, so now I just do like four questions on an email and send in my photos and like, we're good. Like, and that's where you just need to understand the client. You would say a coach that doesn't have a coach is actually not a good coach, right? Well, no, because they're not looking to expand their knowledge and improve. So like the moment you think you know everything in life, you know fucking nothing. And you should never work with anyone who's not growth-minded in any aspect of your life because, yeah, I know a lot about fitness, but I don't know everything in every specific niche. I know a lot about business, but I don't know everything in every specific niche. And you know that your own perspective is not always the true perspective, yeah, right? Yeah, it's the perspective you've experienced thus far. And there's always further levels, right? 100% sure. What would be the number one piece of advice you'd give to executives sitting on the fence? I would say that the first tip I would really give is you decided to work and live a life in the pro league. Actually, that, that's a choice that you did. Then act to do that. And in order to do that, the main things, the main fields that you should work on are your brain already doing that because 100% sure their executives are still studying, learning, And, and trying to apply their, their things that are learning in, in their career. But a lot of them are not truly dealing with their body shape, with their physique. And the truth is that is a gun that they have, is a car that they have, they're not using it. So they should just truly 100% take 1%, 2%, 3% of their earnings and say, as much as I take, I don't know, 3 4%, I personally take 10% of my income and I invest in, invest in my personal knowledge. It's a sort of investment that I, that I do for myself. So I would say, as much as you do for your own knowledge, take 2%, 3% and do this for your health. It could be simply, I don't know, investing in a coach, as you said, but it can be like taking part into 
specific blood test part, like blood test analysis, or uh, it could be to take part of uh, fitness events. It could be to um, apply some new strategies during the old, like during the day in order to optimize your time. Uh, it, there are a lot of stuff during the like invest in the best food that you can actually have. It's, it's, a, it's a true investment that you're not thinking about. So the, the main tips I would give is take one, two, three, desire yourself percent of your own income and say, I need to fucking spend every year this money because it's an investment on the most valuable thing that I have myself. And I think that's a perspective most people don't understand. Um, thank you for your time, Matteo. How can people find out more about you? Uh, I don't know if I can leave here my yeah, IG yeah. channel and TikTok channel and YouTube channel. Yeah, Why not? I'll put it in the description. And it has been a pleasure to be here. Charlie is a really great coach and it's always great to keep in touch with great coaches and great people that share with you the same values. 100%. Uh, if we get enough feedback, we'll get Matteo back on this. I'm sure we will because it's been a really good com conversation. If you guys enjoy this, make sure you share it with a friend. It would mean a huge amount to me and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Um, we'll see you next episode very soon.